This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, Relevant Life Church. There's life in the house this morning, right? So good to see you. If you're new with us this morning, my name is Pastor Kevin, and I have the privilege and the honor of being able to lead this amazing congregation. You can tell that we have young adults over here that just don't know how to control themselves. But that's life, right? We're excited about that. Uh, I want to call attention real quickly. I'm, like, pleasantly surprised. I want to honor two very special people. Uh, Pastor Sean and Ashley, would you stand to your feet this morning? Yeah, come on. Right. You're right. P. Sean, my, one, of my, my, one of my dear friends, but he's our Gen Now pastor, and he leads this wild and crazy bunch. Uh, and they're a little bit hyped because they just got back from OYC, and so uh, either they're sleep-deprived and hyped or something, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, uh, P. Sean and Ashley are very dear to our family. They're dear to our network. Thank you for all that you do, and uh, we're going to get you here to actually preach to us one of these days, so that we would love to have you. Uh, I love this young couple. Um, but uh, OIC was this weekend, and Pastor Jesse and pa- Pastor Kendra and Pastor Trenton and Pastor Allie, they rocked it, and uh, they came, they're alive this morning, so that even means they survived. But there was some great and great, awesome stuff that took place. Would you make sure that you connect with them and find out what went on? And even uh, a novel idea, if you're a parent, why don't you ask your teenager? what happened in their life. That would be a good good conversation to have, don't you think? And uh, uh, God did some amazing stuff, and we just want you to be able to celebrate in that. In that. And thank you so much for those that, that gave. We are such a, you are such a generous church that gave, that helped our students get there, given scholarships and all that sort of stuff. They wouldn't be able to go without you. So you're sharing in what they have reaped at this process. So thank you so much for giving. Uh, I have a couple things here. I'm, my brain is just I'm old. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I want to say, don't miss next Sunday. Uh, we're right in the middle. Of, we're in the middle of our fight series. You don't want to miss next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday is fight the fight of faith for the next generation. Everyone say the next generation. Can I tell you, we have a responsibility that we have that we need to lean in, and how do we fight that fight of faith? And so if you're there, if you're part of that next generation, how do you receive the baton? If you're part of the generation that's passing the baton, how do you pass the baton? So, so you don't want to miss it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss it. Uh, this, is for, this is for everybody. This is not just for a parent passing to a child. This is for every Christian passing your faith to somebody else. So you need to be here. Um, I want to take one more moment to pray a special prayer. Uh, Diane Powers, who is part of our church, her her dad is in Salem Hospital. Uh, he was diagnosed. He's been in for this last week. He's been diagnosed uh, with pneumonia this morning. So crisis in at his age group. Uh, this is Boyd Senior, Boyd Powers Senior. So uh, if you know who Boyd Powers is, this is his dad also. But I want to take a moment to pray and remember. Uh, God, God knows this situation, and God's able to heal. And they're just saying, God, we want you to invade. And I don't know if they're watching us right now or not, but they will probably today. 
Uh, but would you just lift your voices? Don't just let me pray with this, but how many believe for a miracle today that God can do something? God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for the Powers family. God, I thank you so much for Boyd Powers Sr. God, a man of God, a man of faith that has passed it to his family. God, that has, God through his life, you have raised up preachers. You have raised up uh, medical staff. You have raised up life-transforming people. And God, this man has made an impact in your kingdom. And God, right now, we call for your kingdom to invade his hospital room. God, would you invade his body at this very moment? We speak to his lungs that there would be complete wholeness in the name of Jesus. God, this God that heals, this God that restores, God, we know that today nothing can rob him of a day of life. Nothing can rob him of a moment of life. And so, God, we ask that you would speak, that you would breathe life into his lungs, breathe wholeness into his body. Would you renew strength? Would you renew where blood has been lost? God, would you bring supernatural comfort, God, to all of them? God, to Diane, God, God to uh, Boyd, to Mark. God, I pray for Betty, Lord Jesus, this morning as well. God, would you surround this family And God, would you cause them to see your hand at work in their lives? Give the doctors wisdom. And everyone said, amen, amen. Do you believe that today? If you know them, would you make a contact with them? They they desperately would love your encouragement. I know that as well. Today, I have the privilege of introducing someone uh, that's very special, well, primarily to my kids. I've met him this morning. Special to our network, I believe, because he's been back several times, but Will Caesar uh, is a young man that I recognize even this morning as a man of passion. Um, I understand that he's a man that's passionate after the Word of God, and I'm excited to hear him deliver the message this morning. From uh, Dothan, Alabama, uh, I have been practicing that all morning because I've been calling it all other sorts of things, but Dothan, Alabama. He's been in ministry for 10 years. Uh, He's been married to his lovely wife, Lindsay, for seven, right around there. Is that correct? And today, uh, uh, he's going to come and deliver the Word of God to you. How many are ready and open to receive the Word of God? Amen. You love that? Come on, Will. Oh, man. Are y'all ready for the Word? Good deal. Man, there's such a level of excitement in this room, and I think that's a testament to Pastors Rhonda and Pastors uh, Kevin. And so uh, I just want you to do me a favor, uh, congregation, if you don't mind, if you'll stand on your feet and honor your pastors and their faithfulness. Seriously. Y'all are building something special. Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that, for real. I honor you, sir. I I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And so um, I'm thankful for you. I'm going to have y'all stand again in a moment, so just get ready. We're going to do aerobics this morning. But uh, I'm also thankful for Allie and Trenton. They have, um, they have become fast friends. And so the moment I met them in February of this year, Allie exposed me to Dutch Bros. She is the reason to my newfound addiction. And so uh, I'm seriously contemplating uh, being a founder of one in Alabama. I don't think we have any right now. And I just think I need to bring a church, I mean, excuse me, a Dutch Bros to Alabama. So... <laughs> But uh, I appreciate you guys as well, and I've gotten the honor to meet Jesse and Kendra and Shep and some of the other pastors on this team. And I'm just, I'm so shocked by the hospitality, not because I don't think you're not hospitable. We know we have this thing in the South they call Southern hospitality, but you guys do way better than us in hospitality because you've just honored me so well, and I appreciate it. So uh, it's been an honor to invest in your students, and so I feel the the privilege and the honor to invest in you guys this morning. So are y'all really ready for the word? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I bring greetings from Dothan, Alabama, as he said. He also wanted to call it uh, Dothan. Is that how you want to say it? I almost got up and said, I am Bruce Wayne, Batman, because he got it from Gotham. But uh, (laughs) that's a terrible joke. But seriously, um, 
I'm just honored to be here this morning, genuinely honored. And my pastor send you greetings as well. Pastors Mark and Michelle Benson, they are a gem to our fellowship. And so uh, we'll talk more about that later. But I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. That's my custom. And uh, I just believe it's a way for us to honor and engage. And some of you are going to leave with full hearts, strong, strong faith in your spirit, and strong knees. Because I just I wanted to invite you to stand again. But I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. It'll be on the screen. But if you want time to get there, I'll wait on you. Uh, if you need me to wait a second, say, hold up. I've got a few hold That was a desperate hold up. Hold up. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. It says this. It says, day after day they met together in the temple. They broke bread together in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Everyone liked them. That's a cool part to say about the church right there. Everyone liked them. And each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. For, for my note takers, I'm going to talk from this topic. And really it's a question, who's going to be at church Next week, I know they just encourage you to be at church next week, but the question is, who is going to be at church next week? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be there. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Relevant Life. Father, thank you for the people in this room. And I pray that for the next few moments that we share together, we gleam something from your word. I believe it's going to be a reminder to some, information to some, and encouragement to others whether they're in the room or online. So, Father, thank you for your word, and we rejoice because of your word. And everybody said, amen, amen. High five somebody on the way to your seat. <sighs> I want to tell you a really, really quick story, really quick story about a mother who had to wake her son up every Sunday for church. And uh, if you heard this story uh, before, indulge me for a moment. But uh, one particular Sunday, this mom had had enough. Where are my moms in the room? Moms wave at me, okay? Got a lot of them. And uh, she, she had reached her limit, and she became to be uh, extremely exhausted, frustrated even. She was tired of knocking on her son's door. She was so tired of getting his clothes out. She was ironing them for him. She was making him breakfast, and, and she just got tired of having to drag him to, to church. And this one Sunday morning, she said to herself, you know what? Enough is enough, moms. I get it sometimes. Us as children, we can get on your last nerve. And she said, enough is enough. So she bangs on his bedroom door and she says, get up. It's time to go to church. The son responds, I don't want to go, mom. And uh, the mom says, well, why don't you want to go? This is the first time she asked the question. He said, well, uh, I have a couple of reasons why. Uh, one, the people are mean to me and nobody likes me. Number two, nobody, no, uh, no matter what I do, nothing seems to be making a difference. So uh, give me one good reason why I should go to church. She said as calmly as she could, okay, I'll give you three reasons why you should go to church. Number one, somebody say number one. Everyone at church doesn't hate you, son. Secondly, you're a 40-year-old man, and I shouldn't have to make, wake you up every single Sunday for you to go to church. And number three, finally, you need to go to church because you are the pastor of the church. And if you don't go, it's going to be really hard to explain why you're not there. Look at your neighbor and say, go to church. <laughs> Ah, that's funny, right? But uh, <laughs> what's even funnier is people assume that pastors want to go to church every time the doors are open. But let me let you in on a secret. We don't. Now, before you throw stones at me and, you know, get real man like we're never inviting him back, um, this doesn't make us bad. This makes us human. And however, we know why we come to church, and our why is more important than our wants. We know why we're in the building. And we want you to understand the importance of church. I want you to understand the importance of your church. 
So much so that a word that is used to describe the word church in the Bible is the word family. Somebody say family. I believe what we just read in Acts describes the perfect picture of God's family. But what exactly is the church? Well, I'm going to give you a definition. There's a word in the Bible that uh, translated from church. It's the word ecclesia. And in that word ecclesia, there's a definition I want you to have today if you're taking notes. It's a gathering of people called out for the purpose to worship together. You're called out to worship together. Called out from behind your phones and your laptops. Hello. I mean, you know, you know how it is, especially our students. Called out to be together. Now, let me preface with this. We believe in the use of technology for reaching more people to, ex- to extend our reach. We provide videos, we stream services, and we do everything we can to reach more people with the gospel. But there is something powerful about the people of God gathering in the house of God. Why? Because you cannot stream or podcast a relationship with God or people. You just can't. It won't be long-lasting. For those of you who are married, try having a relationship with your spouse only digitally. It just won't work. You'll get in a divorce real fast. We cannot podcast or stream a relationship with God or with people, and I don't want you to settle for second-handed revelation. I want you to get in the room so your faith can rise. Somebody say, come to church. So why do we do this? Because the church is God's plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. The church, the gathering, the assembly is God's idea. It was designed by God to be a place of worship, encouragement, preaching, community, service, miracles, hope, and family. That's why we come to church. And we do everything we can to make it beautiful, to make it excellent. I just want you to know you're in an excellent space. Wonderful and impossible for people to not know Jesus. But the church, first and foremost, is a gathering of the believers for believers for the purpose to come together to worship God and encourage one another. This is proven in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says this, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. What do I mean by this? Notice the word habit. Somebody say habit. Because you're either in the habit of coming to church or you're in the habit of missing church. It just happens. And according to this verse, missing church isn't a new problem. It's been an issue since the, since the beginning of the church. People just had this habit of missing and I believe the writer of Hebrews knows we need each other. Look at your neighbor say, I need you. Look at your second choice. Say, I need you too. <laughs> I need you too. I need you too. Here's why. Let's look at the rest of that verse in verse 25. Listen to this. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. What day? The day when Jesus returns. And I want you to know he's coming soon. He really is coming soon. I know you've been hearing like me, these these are the last days. These last days have been lasting kind of long, but I really do believe he's coming back. And it says, as that day is approaching, we should be around each other. We should be around Christians more frequently. What does that mean? The writer of Hebrews is saying that as the days grow darker, the church ought to grow brighter. As the world continues to get crazier and crazier, we must be more and more committed to God's house and committed to God's people and committed to each other. Why is this important? Because this requires partnership. It requires your involvement. Partnership means you need the church, but it also means the church needs you. It needs your gifts. It needs your resources. It needs your relationships. We want to reach as many people as we can for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need each other. And personally, just me, I've refused to be a church critic and a church cynic. I've just refused to talk about the church. I refuse to be a church hater, even though I myself have experienced church hurt. I know we all have at some point. And what I want to say to you is it didn't draw me away from the church, but it drew me closer to Jesus because I never came to church because of people. I came to church because of Jesus. 
And that's what's got to bring us here. I've decided I'm going to be a church builder, that I'm going to join my father's business. Matthew 16, 18 says this, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Why am I telling you this? It is the only thing that Jesus said he's building. And he said when he build it, when he builds it, it won't fail. And I want to be a church builder because I've learned that it's easy to stand far, far enough away from the church to throw stones at it. It's really easy to do that. But I don't want to throw stones at it. I want to pick stones up and help build it. But there's something powerful that happens when you get in it and you become part of the solution. It's hard to be critical of the church when you're helping build the church. It's really hard. So let me give you a few quick things. In order to build the church, number one, you need to write this down. Somebody say number one. You need to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. Go to church and uh, here or come to church rather. Sounds easy, right? You just got to show up. But I'm going to read verse 46 again. It says, day after day, they met together in the temple. They're communicating church was a priority. This is every day, not every Sunday, every day. Church was a consistent, church was consistent and church was a disciplined part of their biblical lifestyle. Here's why we say come to church. Listen to the statistic. People in America, not in Alabama, not in Oregon, people in America who say they have a home church and they have a pastor, those people attend church on average once a month. Once a month. That means if we gather 52 times a year, st statistically speaking, people who have a home church only go to church 12 times a year. How do you build faith that way? That's not discipleship, that's convenience. That's not a priority, that's preference. We got to come to church. I think there's a clear issue here because I don't think you can be undisciplined about God's house and expect God to bless your house. I just don't think that's how it works. And the way I say it to students is you wouldn't put money in a machine that says out of order. So why would you expect God to put something in you when your life's out of order? We need to get to a place where we come to church. Somebody say go to church because you got to show up to grow up. You got to show up to grow up. I'm not saying church alone is the solution to life. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying whether I was a pastor or not, I myself, I would come to church. Church is not, a, church is not just a commitment to me. Church is a priority to me. Church is family to me. And my commitment is simple. If I'm home, I'm here. If I was back at home in Alabama, I would be at church. I don't just go because I get paid to do this. I get paid to preach the gospel. I go to church because I'm committed. I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that I don't miss. It doesn't mean that I don't get sick or I can't go on vacation. I'm not telling you that you can't enjoy other moments or other things that take you away from the house of God. The only thing it means is that if the only thing that's keeping me from my church is my bed, then I'm going to church even if I'm late. I'm going to church even if I'm tired because I, I get refreshed when I'm in this room. Nothing is going to keep me from the house of God. So I ask you, who's going to be at church next week? There's something powerful about the gathering. Moms, I addressed you earlier, but parents, I want you to hear this, this statement. If you make church optional, don't be surprised when your children find God unnecessary. Man, that was so good. If you make church optional, don't be surprised when your children find God unnecessary. Parents, seriously, drag your kids to church. Drag them to church. As someone whose parents let them choose whether or not church was a priority, listen to this. I want to tell you to drag them to church, and if they want to eat your food, if they want to lay in your bed and be under your roof and be in your house that they don't pay for, and you're a teenager that didn't pay for it, but they complain about it, if they want to feel the benefits of your air conditioning, because it's your air conditioning, they can worship with you at your church.
I figured that would get y'all fired up. <laughs> and you can say this to them. You got two options. You got two options. Either you can come to church or you can die. That's what you should say to them. Because <laughs> here's why. Either you're going to go to church service or you're going to go to church for your funeral service. Either way, we're going to church. <laughs> Somebody say go to church. I get it. I really do get it. It's, uh, it's easy to make church optional. It really is easy. But parents, you're not going to let your kids just, just miss school. And just imagine, Mom, I don't want to go tomorrow. It's just not a good idea. I just think it's a terrible idea. Why don't you want to go to school, son? Uh, I just don't want to go. That, you're not going to do that. Now, being sick, again, I, I get it. There are times that we miss. But you're not just going to miss work tomorrow because if you miss work, you don't get paid. Like, you're not just not going to show up. And so, especially for no reason, but I want to say this. If it's not a big enough reason for you to miss work on Monday, then it shouldn't be a big enough reason for you to miss church on Sunday. It just really shouldn't. So why am I telling you this? Or you may even say, you, you could be a bit resentful and say, well, if I miss work, I don't get paid, but, I'll, but I don't get paid to come to church. I want to tell you, you can't afford not to miss this. You cannot afford to miss being in this place because if you miss church, it's hard for you to stay saved. It's really hard. Why am I telling you this? It's hard to stay in relationship with God and his people when you're not there. We need each other. You can miss church for a little while, but don't make a habit of it. Come to church. Now, obviously, the point isn't for y'all. It's for everybody watching online. You should get your butt. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was a terrible joke. But seriously, we would love for you to come to Relevant Life. If you're watching online, you should come in the building. That was a small plug. So, by the way, tech team, please send send a comment. As a matter of fact, give it up for everybody watching online. We appreciate (laughs) y'all. You're welcome. (laughs) You can join us here because church is where we encourage each other, where we urge each other onward. And I'm just saying my commitment is simple, and you're revealing that your commitment is simple. I'm just asking you to make God's house a priority. Number two. Somebody say number two. Come to church, but number two, come with expectation. Come with expectation. Come ready for a move of God. I say this often, and I said it at OIC expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. I really believe that every time you see a move of God in the Bible, it came with a sense of urgency, desperation, and expectation. Somebody expected for God to heal them. And you could even say it this way, expectation is the breeding ground for more. You just come into the room, come to church with expectation. Verse 46, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. It's hard to praise God without expectation. That's why you praise him, because you expect him to show up in your praise. The Bible talks specifically about he inhabits the praises of his people. That means the moment you open your mouth, you expect him to be in the room. Because when praises go up, presence comes down. Presence fills this place. That's why you come to church, so that when you lift your voice, you know that the Holy Spirit is in the room. Wow. But could those words words describe relevant life? That there is great joy at relevant life that there is great generosity at Relevant Life, that there is, great, there is great expectation in this house, that there's praise in this house. I want the mindset of your church and our church, the Capital C Church, to be anything can happen here, and it probably will because expectation is in the room. You need to come with expectation. Who knows what's going to happen today? Who knows who's going to receive a miracle? Who knows who came here and they're going to give their life to Jesus? Something very special, holy, and sacred happens when the people of God come with expectation, and there is power in the room. 
And there's faith in the room because when two or three are gathered in his name, guess what? Jesus is in the room and anything can happen when God is in the room. Somebody say, you got to come to the room. When we come together, there's an anointing in the room. There's healing in the room. There's breakthrough in the room. Aren't you glad that you're in the room this morning? There's something special about worshiping God and sharing God's word together. It's a beautiful picture. So come to church. Come with expectation. Number three. Somebody say number three. Don't come alone. Don't come alone. Never come alone. Verse 47 says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That means they had to keep bringing people with them. There's something different about them. They came with expectation. They went. They came with expectation and they brought more people with them. It's the will of God that the church would grow. That's his will. That's what he wants to happen. But how does this happen? It happens through partnership. It happens through relationship. It happens when you bring your world to your church. When you bring your friends and your family and your faith to the Father's house. house. This is the secret to longevity and church growth. This is the secret to loving your city. When you bring your faith, your family, your friends, even your finances to the Father, it connects your heart to his church. That's what it does. And that's why the Bible is true. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is, this is just completely biblical. And we want you to have a heart for the house because nothing will bring you back to church like seeing God speak to your friends and transform your family. It will make you show up. Nothing will bring you back to church like when you're personally invested. Do not come alone. I've been doing this for a little while now, and um, not that I got it all figured out. I often tell people this uh, often. Uh, I don't know it all. The only thing I really do know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So people ask me, how do you grow a ministry? How do you reach people with, with you know, grow your, grow your youth group or grow your church? Or, you know, how, what's your first impression systems team and your leadership structure? They ask me all these questions. I was like, bro, I just know Jesus. And I know I don't want to come to church by myself. And even though I might not have the language in certain times to help get them the healing that they need, I know the one who can heal them. Somebody say, come to church. And because I've been doing this, uh, it's not that I have everything figured out, as I, as, as I said, but usually the people who leave the church, they don't give. They don't give. They don't serve. They don't go to a small group. They don't show up faithfully. And then they want to have a meeting with the pastor, and they say, hey, pastor, we're leaving. We're leaving the church. And the truth is, the pastor doesn't want to say this, but I'm going to say this. You were never at the church in the first place. You were never really here. You were never really involved. You were never really committed. You were never really in the family. You left a long time ago. You've been absent. And you know what I, what I really want to say is I'm, try, I'm really trying to say this graciously because I know people get offended easily, but let's rip the Band-Aid off. They were never really connected. They were, abs- they, they were separate from the body. They were never really committed. They were never really involved. But you know what's amazing? is if you take a person that gives, a person that serves, a person that goes to a small group, leads a small group, attends a membership class, they're making friends, they're making connections, they're finding their fit in the life of the church. Those people never leave the church because they're on social media posting, God moved powerfully today at Relevant Life, and it changed me. Jesus saved my life. They're telling their friends, you should come to church. They're telling strangers, you know what? You should come to church with me. You got to come with somebody. Don't come alone. They're invested. They're in this thing. And what happens is when they win, the church, is, the church wins. Don't come alone. And I want to say this to you. For those of you that maybe experience church hurt, people don't quit church. They quit people. They don't quit church. They quit people. Because it's hard to quit people 
Well, let me say it this way. It's harder to quit people when you're in a relationship with them. It really is hard. So don't come along. I'm going to read these two verses together again because this is a formula for church growth. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When I read this, I recognize that this is a formula for discipleship and church growth. And I'm going to give it to you today. It's not going to be up on the screen. But faithful church attendance plus relationship plus generosity equals salvations. That's pretty much how I see that. I saw a math equation in the Bible, and you didn't even know it. Math and the Bible were related. It's just in there. Faithful church attendance, relationship plus generosity equals church growth and kingdom advancement. That's how that works. Because what we have to do is we have to realize and answer the question, who's going to be at church next week? Psalm 8410 says this, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I love this next part. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I'd rather just hold the door. And that's why we need to be thankful for our first impressions team that make you feel welcome when they come in. Because that when they open the door, when you enter into his gates, they're, they're, they're just being a doorkeeper to enter you into his presence. And when first-time guests come into the church, that is a, you're already preaching the gospel. And they're opening their heart to receive this message that not only am I coming to church, they were expecting me. You got to come to church. The Bible gives us a clear picture of the church's intended design and the beauty of being there. It's supposed to be a community that feels like family because together is the theme of the church. We worship together. We grow together. We share the gospel together. We make disciples together. We pray together. We give together. We hurt together and we laugh together. We mourn together. We rejoice together. We do life together. And we, and we encourage one another together. Somebody say together. That's why we come to church. Because when we come to church, our presence comes with a promise. I read it earlier. I'm going to read it to you again. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. I'll also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Is Jesus saying that it takes two or three people to get an answer to prayer? No, of course not. But he is saying there's power when you're together. Is he saying that he's only in the, in the presence of people when two or three are together? Of course not. But he is saying there's something supernatural that takes place when we come together in agreement and alignment. Because you can encounter God privately, and you should. You can pray privately, and you should. You can read the Bible privately, and you should. You can worship privately, and you should. But what makes those disciplines more effective and more transformative is when two or three gather together in his name and in his presence, and then he shows up in a supernatural, supercharged kind of way, and it moves us together. Somebody say together. God's power begins to compound when we gather. It's this compound effect. There's something special happens when the people of God gather in the house of God. And with the current conditions of this world and the atmosphere of our country, we need to realize the times that we live in. I believe that verse we read in Hebrews is a timely and prophetic reminder that leads me to ask you, who is going to be at church next week? See, I've noticed some people love church for all the wrong reasons. People tell they come to church as if, Church is the only solution to life and as if church alone will fix their, their problems. And here's the truth. A church, a church never saved anyone. Only Jesus can do that. But church is a tool by which God uses to get people to him. 
With that being said, church has also become a place that people that uh, keep people from him because people aren't wanting to hear you need to go to church for their problems. They're wanting real, genuine help. But might I suggest that we don't just go to church, that we be the church, that we become the church, that we don't just invite people to Jesus, that we lead people to Jesus. Why am I telling you this? Because being salt and light was not a suggestion. It was a command. It was a command. We need to realize that. We need to give people reasons for coming to church, and there is no greater invitation than a changed life. You may say, well, people don't, they won't respond to my invitation. They will respond to your life change. They genuinely will. Some people, they come to church for the coffee. Where are my coffee lovers at? You got any coffee lovers in the room? Awesome. Some people come to church to find their spouse. Where are my single people at? All right, look around the room. Look around the room. Look around the room. We're about to grow the church. <laughs> some, parents, some parents will say this. I come to church for the child care so that I can get an hour away from my kids. Just an hour. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I love them. But let me get away from her for a little bit. We got some people, I like to call them CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Like this, that's what we got. They come to church only on those days. <laughs> I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not condemning anyone. But listen, to be fair, those are good reasons. Those just aren't the best reasons. They're not the only reasons, but the truth is some people just don't see church as valuable or something that plays a major role in their life, so they choose not to go. Who's going to be at church next week? But there's a word that describes these people in the Bible, and it's a word I want to use today. It's called commitment. Somebody say commitment. I want you to write this down, this definition for commitment. It says, whatever it takes, devotion and dedication to a task, cause, person, vision, or mission. Whatever it takes, devotion and dedication to a task, a cause, a person, a vision, or mission. And there's another word in the Bible that describes commitment. It's synonymous with commitment. It's called faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. It also happens to be a character trait and attribute of God that simply means God is consistent, that he is reliable, that he is dependable, that he's trustworthy, that he does not change, that he is not just a starter, he is a sustainer, he is a finisher, because when God commits to something, he commits to completion. And so much so that salvation wasn't complete until he said, it is finished. That's how much of a sustainer he is. And the way we describe the committed is by calling them faithful. Somebody say faithful. But you don't know how committed someone is until things get hard. You don't know their commitment level until things get hard. You don't know how committed someone is until they got options. See, if you want to test someone's commitment level, give them options. And today, we got a lot of reasons not to come to church. We got a lot of options. And so many options that are competing with our time and our focus. We have a lot of things fighting for our time, our attention, our affection. They're not all bad things, but I would go on to admit and say we have some commitment issues. We really do. And the truth is, people are less committed to things they attend less often. They just are. We need to be reminded there's something special about committing to church, about giving God your time, just like you give your tithe. Because when you do this, what you're doing is you're telling yourselves, God is first. You're telling your family, God is first. You're telling the devil, God is first. You're telling God, God, you're first. We have to communicate that he is number one in our lives. Your presence at church reflects your commitment to God. I ask again, who is going to be at church next week? Because my church is my responsibility. It's my responsibility. Your city is your responsibility. Hebrews 10, 25, I'll read it again. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people will do, but encourage one another. Somebody say encourage. Your presence is encouraging. 
you guys came in today, you just encouraged me. Your smile is encouraging. It's inviting. Your hug is encouraging. That high five or that handshake, it's encouraging. Somebody came here today and they just needed to be touched by a brother or sister in Christ. That smile helped release them from the pain that they feel momentarily. They need it. They are commi- those, these are the committed ones because they know their faithfulness to church not only blesses, it encourages, and it helps increase the faith of the people that go to church with them. Being Faithfulness tells people you can count on me to be there. I'll always be here. And I've said this before, and I want to be careful how I say it, but uh, I've said it on behalf of my pastor. Uh, it's hard for a pastor to build a consistent vision on inconsistent people. It's just really hard. And so your pastors have vision for this house. They have visions for this city. They have visions for God to do something in this place. But it's really hard for him to build, to communicate consistent vision and values and culture and leadership and DNA on inconsistent people. You got to come to church because I believe some of the greatest blessings in your life walk into your life this morning. In fact, you're sitting, to, you're sitting next to one of your greatest blessings. And all the married people said, amen. <laughs> your blessing walked into this service today and you didn't even know you needed it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a blessing. Say it like you mean it. Say, you're a blessing. Matter of fact, declare and speak over yourself. Say, I'm a blessing. Your very presence could be the healing that someone needs. But if you're not here, someone could miss their healing. Did you hear what I just said? If you're not here, someone could miss their healing. The Bible says this, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another for healing. If you're not here, how am I going to be able to confess? How am I going to be able to tell you when you walk in and be like, hey, how you doing? I'm blessed, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. No, I don't want to hear that. How are you really doing? I'm, I'm going through it right now. Life's kind of hard right now. I need you, brother. I need you to encourage me. Can you pray for me right now? Can we just do this? Can we stop coming to church with this facade that everything's all right? And just be real. Just be honest. Because relevant life is about real life. It's about being real transparent. It's about being real honest. And you be like, you know what, Pastor? I'm not, I'm not doing too well. And let's also do this, church. And I'm speaking on behalf of my church as well. Let's stop using prayer requests as a mean to gossip. Because what a lot of people call concern, it's actually, uh, or a lot of people call uh, curiosity, or concern is actually curiosity. Hey, Pastor, be praying for them. They're really going through it right now. Did you hear? Like, let's stop doing that. Let's be honest. And then some of you, you may say this, well, I can do church at home. I can do church all by myself. And that's somewhat true. That's, that's kind of true. Because the church is a body, but it's not just one body. It's not just one. Coming together is bi- biblical. And I just want to build your faith today. I want to challenge you today. So when you're going through hell, you don't run from the house of God. You run to the house of God. And even when you're busy, you still make time for his house. And when you feel like people are the last thing you want to see, especially your Christian brother and sisters, you still come to the house of God. And even, even when you get here and you're grumpy, you're mad, you're depressed, you're feeling frustrated, and that greeter's like, good morning, I'm glad you're here, and you just want to punch the greeter. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We don't do that in church. Don't, don't punch the greeter. But regardless of how you feel, you get in the house. And the people of God, when they begin to praise God, And the people of God begin to clap and they begin to shout and the preacher begins to declare God's promises and his word over your life. Before you know it, you start getting encouraged. Supernatural energy starts hitting your heart and something in you goes, you know what? I can make it. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to survive the day. I'm glad I came here and I'm coming back next week. So I ask you again, who's going to be at church next week? Really quickly, four things I want to tell you, four people who will be at church next week. There are four people, four people. 
Number one, God's people. Somebody say God's people. God's people will be at church next week. These are the people who I described earlier are faithful. They give, they pray, they serve, they love, they read God's word, they worship, they invite. These are the people that are all in on the mission and the vision. God's people are going to be at church next week. Number two, somebody say number two. Church people are going to be at church next week. What do you, that, that's kind of confusing. There's a difference between God's people and church people. Let me, let me tell you how church people are committed to the building. God's people are committed to the builder. Church people are committed to themselves. God's people are committed to others. Church people are self-serving. God's people are selfless. Church people are religious. God's people are relational. Church people are more concerned with looking right. God's people are more interested in living right. Church people use the Bible as a stick. God's people use the gospel as a net. Church people know the Bible, but they don't know Jesus. They know the pages, but they don't know the person. They know some truth, but they don't have any grace. They can quote scripture, but they have no love, no joy, no peace, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no self-control. They can speak in tongues, but cannot speak to their neighbor. Church people are good lawyers of their sin and even better judges of others. Church people are faithful, too. They're real faithful. They're faithful to gossip. They're faithful to complain. They're faithful to nag, bicker, be mean. Church people go to church, but God's people are the church. God's people are going to be at church, and also church people are going to be at church. Unfortunately, we've allowed God's house to develop a subculture that is not biblical. It's just not biblical. And I want us to get to this place. Number three. Somebody say number three. Who's going to be at church next week? Lost people. Lost people. Why am I telling you this? Lost people will be at church next Sunday. Sometimes we need to be reminded that life is short and eternity is long. And we have a mission and people need to hear the story of Jesus and experience the love of Jesus. The power, the grace, the mercy of Jesus. People need to know God is not against them, but God is for them. People need to know that God is not rejecting anybody, but he's calling everybody. People need to know that they can find a healthy home in the house of God. People need to know they can find a home here at Relevant Life. We have to invite people to church. We have to bring people to church, but we can't just ask people to come to church. And that We can't ask people to come to church that we're never at. Could you imagine you invite somebody to church, they show up, where you at? Oh, I'm at home. We got to be here. We got to come to church. Number four, who's going to be at church next week? This is the most important person that's going to be at church next week. It's Jesus. He's going to be here. He's going to be in the room. Jesus was saying in Matthew, every time you show up, I show up. Every time. I'm as close as the mention of my name. When you gather, I gather with you. He lives in our praise. As I mentioned earlier, this is God's house. And it's interesting to me that we always invite the Holy Spirit in a place that he's already in. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. He's like, I've been here, bro. Like, (laughs) where where have you been? (laughs) This is God's house. Jesus is here before you even get in the door. And that's why your pastors show up early. Because they want to foster an atmosphere that the moment you walk in the room, you're like, there's something different in this room. There's something special in this room. Your pastors pray before you get here because they're expecting you to come into the room. Jesus is going to be at church next week, and that's why you should be here too. Because you will get a chance to encounter the Father. And in a moment, we're going to do a salvation invitation, but I want to say this to you. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't just get a father. Look around the room. You get a family. You don't just get the best dad. You get brothers and sisters. You get grandmothers and grandfathers of the faith. You don't just get a father. You get a family. 
Jesus' eyes will always be on his church and his spirit will always be in it. And he allows us to partner with him as the body and the hands and the feet of Jesus to do, to do the work of the ministry. Let me, share, let me share with you what your work is, Ephesians 4.12. That's your work. Your responsibility, leaders of the church, this is pastors, is to equip God's people, you, the church, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Our job as leaders is to equip you to build the church. That's our job. That's our mandate. That's why we come here, to equip you, to give you the resources, the encouragement, the information you need that when you go home and read the Bible yourself and stop settling for your pastor's revelation, uh uh-oh, and let God speak to you, then you come back and you're like, you know what, I I need to be recharged up again so that I can go back out and build the church. Somebody say go to church. I read it earlier, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in his courts. There's no place I would rather be. Because when I get in God's house, I find hope. When I get in God's house, I find faith. When I get in God's house, I experience healing. When I get in God's house, I get fresh vision and revelation. When I get in God's house, I begin to realize how blessed I am. I want you to know you need to make a commitment to your local church today. To be a host, not a guest to be a host. What do you mean a host? That means when you're a host, that means this is your house. You've taken ownership of it. Ownership of the vision, not just to consume, but to serve, to engage, to give, to lead, to pray, to love, to be the church. Who's going to be at church next week? You're going to be at church next week. You're going to be at church next week and the week after that. I want to tell you a quick story before I pray, and I think it's important. There's a story of this father and a wayward son And his father, he was so committed to his church, so committed that he attended this church for 40 years, never missed a Sunday, never missed a Sunday. That's impressive. And he would sit on the front. But for 40 years, he kept coming to this church. And in his old age, he he got to a place where he couldn't stand anymore. He was real old. He started getting sick. And so uh, he would come in, and as it's getting later in life, he would have started to be rolled in in a wheelchair or helped as he, you know, walked, if he had a walker, if he felt like he could walk that day. And one day the pastor wanted to get to talk to him, and he wanted to ask him, he was like, Dad, why? I mean, he called, called him a dad because he was the dad of the house, 40 years. I mean, you're the dad. So you are the dad of the church. He's the pastor, but you're the dad. So <clears throat> he goes up to him. He's like, sir, 40 years. And they honor him. He's got like a little badge. You know, people know him. He speaks to everybody. So the pastor was like, hey, if there's ever a Sunday you want to miss, I understand. I get it. You don't have to show up. If your body's hurting too bad, if you're too tired, too weak to move, you don't have to come to church. And that that man looked at that pastor, his pastor. He said, I don't just come to church for me. I come to church because the day that my son shows up, I want to be there. I want to be there the day I see him come through those doors. He may not give his life to Jesus, but I know he's starting to make that decision that he's going to show up. And that's about a father and a wayward son. But I want to say to you today, not only was somebody waiting on you to show up, because somebody prayed you into this building, whether you know it or not, but you got people around your life that you need to keep praying for, you need to keep believing for, that one day they're going to show up. That seat that's next to you, they're going to sit beside you. You got to keep showing up. So when they show up, you'll finally say, I've been expecting you. That's that coming with expectation. I'm going to invite you to stand if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know this is, you know, kind of traditional, the style that we kind of go in for salvation invitation. But this is a holy moment. 
And I feel even in this moment led to do it one of two ways because I know some of us, when we give our life to Jesus, it kind of gets stagnated. And some of you may need to make that recommitment today. But this first invitation is for those of you in the room, you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You come to church, but you haven't given your life to the one who builds the church. If you're in this room, not dragging this out, you want to commit your life to Jesus. You want to make a salvation invitation to say with your life, I believe he died, rose again, lived a sinless life just for me. If that's you, you're in the room, you want to give your life to Jesus or you're watching online, you can comment and you can respond in the comments. If that's you, I want you to slide your hand up. You're in the room. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody in the room? I see a hand in the back. Anybody else? See a hand, hands over here. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. I'm going to do the second invitation. Maybe you're in the room. You say, Pastor Will, I want to, I want to rededicate my life to him. I've come to church, but I just haven't been as faithful as I used to. I think I've forgotten the reason why we gather. Hand already going up. Wow. Is there anybody in the room? You say, I want to recommit my life today. I'm going to be faithful to God's house. I'm going to be faithful. I see a hand right here. Anybody else? I see a hand right there. Anybody else? Hands right here. Oh, wow. This is beautiful. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray over you. But I want you to repeat this prayer with me. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. So I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I declare today that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Can we give it up for the people that just gave their life to Jesus? So amazing. I'm so proud of you. You didn't just get a father. You got a family. But the second prayer I want to pray over you before I turn it back over to Pastor Kevin is I want to pray for some of the church hurt and for you to find that new commitment in this place that we call church. Let's pray. Father, I pray for healing the hearts of those who have been hurt by church people. I ask that you uproot anything that they may not be aware of. The bitterness, the resentment, the distrust, the frustration, the unforgiveness. May it not be found in the hearts of your people. Do a deep work, Father. Heal the source of their pain and not just the symptoms. I pray that you bring peace to the hearts of everyone under the sound of my voice to remind them that your house, your, ple- your presence is a place of safety and comfort. That this, that this is a house that is safe. That you remind us that you have called your people to be a people of prayer, a place of trust, a place where people can share their requests without judgment, fear of condemnation, or fear of gossip. And Father, I pray against any root of dissension that Satan tried to bring in this house, your house. I speak unity over your people, that we can be the people you've called us to be, that we can be the church you called us to be. I pray against anything that has kept those far from you from getting close to you. I pray that the kind of presence that's in this house be found in their houses, in their homes, and everywhere that they set their feet. I ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said real loud, amen. Come on, give God some praise. Awesome, awesome. How many love Pastor Will this morning? Come on, give him a cheer today. Yes, amen, amen, amen. I think he's a little bit on fire, don't you think? Today, we want to give you an opportunity. Number one, we thank you for your message. Pastor Will, thank you so much for coming and speaking to us today. What a powerful, powerful word. Uh, We already have a 
his, his check already made because we believe in honoring the guests. But we also know that there's a place where some people come and are ministered to and go, how can I bless him? We want to give you an opportunity to bless him. And if you want to look at the screen behind us, you're going to be able to see how to do all that. And I'm not going to read through that. But we would love for you to be able to bless him on top of what God already does. How many know that God blesses? And so we want to be able to bless him today. Before he leaves, we also want to pray for him, pray for him and his, his family. Trenton and Allie, Kendra and Jesse, would you guys gather around him? And let's, would you just extend your hands towards the front here? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Will Caesar. I thank you for his wife, Lindsay. God, I already feel a connection to him, God, in the spirit as well as relationally. And God, in the name of Jesus today, I ask for your powerful anointing to continue to rest upon his life. God, would you pour out blessing? Would you pour out direction? God, would you pour out clarity in his life? God, would you pour out vision in his life? God, as he has come and poured out to us, would you pour back into him? God, I don't know what it is that he's facing. I don't know what his next steps are, but God, you know the very next step that needs to take. And so God, I pray for open doors that no man can shut. God, I pray for closed doors that no man can open. God, would you bring clarity? Would you bring divine revelation? God, I pray that he would be, as he was this morning, your voice speaking into our culture, your voice speaking into the next generation, your voice speaking into his church, not just his church, but the city that he lives in, not just the city he lives in, but God, nationally. God, I continue to pray for his ministry. God, would you bless him? Would you open doors, God, we pray. And God, thank you for his obedience today. God, would you refresh him? It's been a long weekend for him. God, it's not even done yet. And God, he has more speaking engagement. So God, I pray, would you pour into him, God, only the way that you can. God, again, thank you for his faithfulness. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give him one more round of applause today. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you need prayer, our prayer team is coming right at this moment to pray over you. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the life change that can take place. We believe in healing. We believe in all those things. So would you let him have an, or would you let these people have an opportunity to pray with you? And it, besides that, you are dismissed and we will see you next Sunday. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.